0: Everybody and welcome to watch Now. You're one stop shop for all things Overwatch in both the casual and competitive scene. Before we begin this 13th episode, lucky number 13, big shout out to Dude's Media Network for hosting our show, as well as breaking the lore and potentially many uh, no others we're about to find out in the future. But um, yeah, huge shout out to them. Follow them on social media and stuff, and stuff like that. And yeah, why don't we just hop it into it? So. Not as far as quantity of news came out, not a lot of it came out. Like everything came out in small doses, so to speak. But I still think that they're worth a look over. Like for example, we have a new mini event that's going on in the live client. The Sigma mini event. It's a Maestro event, I think it's called. No nah, call. No nah, called. I'm terrible with names. Cut me some slack. But yeah, and this is actually interesting because. The way this event works when compared to previous events is that in previous events what would happen is that you would get a unique spray after three wins, a player icon after six wins, and whatever legendary skin came after the ninth win. And that's how it's, that's how they've done it for the past countless events during the summer events, during the other mini-events like Nanocola, Indiana, Beret event, but this time they swapped things around. Now, if you win three games, you get a player icon, that's the first thing that you get. If you win six games, then you get a legendary emote specifically for Sigma, and it's him orchestrating while messing around with gravity. I don't know how that works yet, but then again, I don't know how Sigma works as far as the concept. I know the mechanics, but the way that they designed Sigma, I'm just not sure. But, uh, yeah, and of course, if you win nine games, you get the legendary skin, which is Sigma cosplaying as Beethoven. But, yeah, so that's basically the gist of the event. You can get wins in quick play, in the arcade mode, in, in uh, competitive play, in their play both role queue and open queue. You cannot get it in, in the custom games for more than obvious reasons. But, um, yeah, so that's basically the small event. I do want to bring up a quality of life Change that they added to the game, which involves a career profile. We've been getting like teasers, I guess, for improvements into the career profile, and we finally got them. So it has a new layout, and I think that this new layout makes it easier to understand certain aspects of a per- of a player in the game. Like what they did is that. On the top 3rd third, third of the career profile, you have your name, your level, your XP count, and and on the right hand side you have the honor thing, thing or the, um, oh, is it called the honor thing? I'm gonna call it the honor, not the honor thing, but um, you have that on the top 3rd. On Beneath that, on the left hand side, you have the time that you put into the different game modes, and that ranges from competitive, to quick play, to arcade, to custom games, and to experimental. So, that I found interesting, more so that they put in the custom games, because there, I think Blizzard realizes that people play, uh, actually use the custom games, they use the workshop mode that they've given us a while back, and, excuse me, and so with that, they they decided, you know what? Let's see how often these player, uh, players, um, go into the custom games for these game modes because not everybody plays for the main game, not everybody plays for competitive. There are some, there are really some fun shenanigans that can happen in custom games. I played Uno in custom game games, and that was fun. No yeah, fun. So, so yeah, it's interesting that they include the custom games. I also think it's beneficial for you know, for um competitive players. To know how how much time they put into scrim times because yes that yes in general players put in the scrims up to like two hours per block no per block and if you're an amateur player it gets hard to kind of track that pros it's kind of ingrained in their schedule so they know how many hours they put in to that plus a lot you no know, quite a few pros admit themselves that they play over 10 hours a day of over of Overwatch which you know it's kind of what needs to happen but but yeah so lots of things involving that, as even in the uh, experimental card which we haven't got the one yet I don't think we're gonna get one anytime soon but we'll keep an eye out for sure. The, those are basically the quality of life changes and pretty much the promo for a new event that's happening in the casual scene. Gonna see. As far as some of the roster changes that happened in the Owl scene, moving on to uh, that, we've got quite a few interesting uh, scenarios happening, if you will. So why don't we start off with a couple of two-way contracts that got revealed by the Guangzhou Nerd Charge, and the first one is for a support player named Weah. Now the way that the two contract works is that you are contracted to uh, to the tier 1 owl team, uh, team but at the same time if you have commitments to an academy team or a tier 2 team then you uh, then you must meet those conditions for uh, commitments first uh, first so in this case we is on a two way contract with wangdao charge the main team and their academy team ignite 1 so it's interesting to see the players rotate around like that. I'm, I'm not sure if Wia would get playtime in Char. Then main lineup over Chara and Shu. Both of them have been doing exceptional, and and uh, we'll get to some of that in a in a little bit. So it's interesting. I still think that, I still think that it's a good thing for Tier One teams to support Tier Two players and Tier Two teams in this sense. Just support tier 2 in, ge- in general because a lot of, a lot of the tier 2 players and tier 2 teams they actually scrim the tier 1 team so having this form of two-way contract I do think it's for the, be- the better of both teams and players involved. Anyways the next one is a little bit of a surprise because it involves Crystal the player that in the past I said that nobody was going to Pick him up because of the fact that he went awol in a very unprofessional manner. Guangzhou Charge picked him up in a two-way contract, similar to Wea, for the same team. So Crystal, in a sense, is making a return in OWL. But for now, I think the plan, based on what Guangzhou has, says, has said, is that they believe that Crystal deserves a second chance, and to some degree, I'm. No, I agree. Players do deserve a second chance. If you want to know what degree I don't think that applies for, then hit me up on my DMs. But, but um, yeah, so seeing Crystal return in just competitive Overwatch is an interesting thing. I do, I really do hope that Crystal just clears up his act, be, be more professional, and just not disappear out of the blue, because I don't I personally don't think that he can afford it. He could have barely afforded it the first time around with Spark. And if you were to mess up that bad again, that's career ending. That is literal career ending. And I don't want to see that happen to any player. Really. Not really. But um, yeah, so Crystal's back. We'll see what happens with him as far as whichever team he plays on. Next, we have, as far as the player base goes, we actually lost a player in the Owl Season. Seen. I'm I'm saying this in this sense because I'm talking about Spree. He got he officially got released from the Houston out, Outlaws. And he even made a tweet longer about it saying that it was a difficult decision for him to even make. So my guess is that um, he was considering leaving the team for a while. Which con- should come to no surprise, really. Because... W- Nothing to say bad against Spree. I think he's an excellent off-tank player. His Zarya is one of the best in OWL. But at the same time, why why should Outlaws play Spree over uh, Mecco? Like, I've heard people say that Mecco doesn't play Zarya, so that's where Spree comes in. And I remember there being matches when HeroPool was a thing where Zarya was the dominant off-tank. And the Outlaws still played Mecco over Spree. So, it's one of those where I think, I basically think that it it could have happened sooner, it, but better late than never, I guess. Nah, I guess. And I really hope that Spree stays in the tier 1 team. Nah, scene. I think, I still think he's a great off-tank play. No nah, player. My guess is that he's probably going to go to a tier 2 team or become a coach or something like that. He's not even sure himself from his twid longer speech, I guess, but, you know, good luck, Spree, and hopefully to see you again soon in Owl. Now, the Toronto Defiant picked up a new assistant coach, and they actually did a funny on their Twitter. So, they accidentally said that their new coach is is an assistant coach and a spacing coach uh, for the Toronto Defiant team, and I'm talking about No, So, that became a meme real quick, and of course, the social media manager for the Toronto Defiant made a uh, correction tweet. I guess for that, not for that, but the damage was just already done. They already memed, but you know, meming is not that bad, not bad. It... But still, congrats to Spaso for being the new pickup for the Toronto Defiant as the assistant coach. And um, yeah, that's basically all of the news regarding the player. Roster. The roster, and staff changes, and all that. Up next, we have some... I I don't want to say breaking news, because this has already been a few days by the time this episode goes goes live, but at the time of recording, it was breaking news in regards to the postseason for Season 3 of Overwatch League. And it's interesting how they work, because they released a video, it's about a minute and a half, and what they said was interesting to say the least so they are going to have like a final set of three matches at the end of the season and then on september 3rd is when postseason starts and it's going to be a similar keyword similar format to the net two tournaments that we've already had the main melee the the summer showdown the countdown cup that is going to come up later this month but no but um yeah it, they're gonna keep a similar format to that, here's where things get interesting. So they're going to the, the postseason is going to start off with the separate te- teams in their separate brackets until there are two teams from both the Asian region and the North American region. Then what they say in the video is that they're going to take two weeks off for uh, to manage player health and travel logistics. So there is a good chance that we might see the semifinals the uh, and the grand finals in uh, in a LAN event. But still any we don't know what's going to happen with COVID by the time September rolls no it rolls around. If you ask me, COVID should have been taken care of in May. In May And we're still in a pandemic state, and COVID has not gotten. I'm not even going to go, never go into that, but, uh, but um, yeah. So hopefully things clear up, and the officials for the Overwatch League do permit, as well as you know, immigration and and stuff like, and organizations like that do permit travel from outside of the country as well as as well as keeping everybody safe from from COVID, because i think we're long overdue for a land event for the overwatch league league the online matches have been fun They're fun they've been entertain- entertaining but nothing beats experiencing a match in a land style with friends with with family getting the opportunity to see the players face to face see them perform on stage and all yeah and all that so i really hope that everything works out we're gonna have to wait until september rolls around to see what actually ha- yeah, happens and uh yeah good luck to all the teams in, in, involved in, involved for that but moving on we now have the hero pools for the next two weeks so what they yeah, so what Blizzard and the Overwatch League have decided to do is that they decided to, you know, to just keep the hero pools for a two-week period. Then on last week before the, you no, know, before the tournament of the month. In this case, the uh, community cup, no cup, or the no the countdown cup, no cup. They decide. You no, know, they decided to. <clears throat> Sorry, a little bit dry stuff. So- But anyway, they they decide to just open it up to whatever heroes are in the game, effectively. No hero pools. And then, and then the tournament is just no hero pools. So for the next two weeks, we are not going to be seeing May, Widowmaker, Orissa, or Anna. Personally, I think that means a return to dive. Kind of. Because when you think... No, when you think about about it and think about some of the metas that we've seen in the past, in the past, there are real there are really a few heroes that stand out in the me- in the metas that we've already saw. That's saw we have Brig, we have Genji, we have Arisen Sigma as a tank, uh, tank duo, and really any long range hitscan scan or projectile sniper, so so to speak, in in the lineup. Those have been kinda of like the formula for the meta no, for the meta no in the summer showdown. So we've already seen Well we've seen two of them get removed from, no, from competitive play for the next couple of weeks no weeks. Now Ash is still a dominant sniper in the game. In the game, Bob is just too good still. No, still same with Genji. Both of them can be played in dives, they do have that uh, comparison when it comes to the different comp, uh, comp styles. So, And D.Va did get above recently, so I do think that we might be seeing more of D.Va. And hmm, I want, I wanted to say that Reinhardt would also be the go-to main tank, which might be. We might be seeing some Reinhardt Sigma, but the fact that we don't have an Ana, I think, makes it difficult. Kind of. You can always go Moira Lucio when it comes to that style of brawl or Moira Brig, but again I don't think it's going to be the strongest, so so to speak, so to speak, so we're about to see what happens, I'm looking forward to seeing a return of Dive, it is more likely that there are going to be more Ryan Sigma style comps, but if we do see Dive, then yeah, it's going to be fun. Fun matches. and speaking of matches, we have more matches that by the time this episode goes live that would already be starting actually I'm gonna to try to get it live for Friday at 3 p.m. which is our first match and by Friday I mean Friday July 17th so in a couple of days from the time of recording. So on Friday July 7th 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Eastern Daylight time we start off the this week's set of matches with Vancouver Titans versus Paris Eternal. Now it's interesting with these two teams. I'm gonna give the win to Paris Eternals, regardless of what the score count is. They, they just look dominating. Sparkle looks amazing. They have one of the best coaching coaching staff in North America. And even when Sparkle isn't playing, Sun and Nico are just god tier in their own right. No, right. I will. No, I will die on that. No, that hill mainly because Dylan is not here to die on that hill. So, I think, ros- I think uh, roster-wise and staff-wise, Paris Eternal is set to take this as a 3-0 victory. That's my final scoreline. But regardless, I just do not see Vancouver winning this. And it's not that Vancouver is a bad team. team, They're still new, but by now they've worked out most of the Kings that they need to work, to work out. They understand the fundamentals in high-level Overwatch play. They have everything that they need. They just need the practice now. And Paris Eternal is not the team to practice with. No with. Because they just they they read every everything. So I don't see Paris losing this. If anything, Vancouver will take one round. Not even a map, one round. In one of the control maps. But no, but um, yeah, so good luck. No, so good luck with Vancouver. You're gonna need it, but I'm still calling it Paris Eternal's 3-0 victory. Up next, we have the Houston Outlaws versus the Dallas Fuel Battle of the Texas. So, uh, I like both of these teams. I'll be the first to admit it. I've been been labeling myself as a Houston fanboy since season one, since preseason of the Overwatch League, uh, League. So, there's no way that I'm going to say that Houston is going to lose this. However, I don't know what the scoreline is going to be. I want to say that Houston is going to win, you know, win this because they've been looking so, so good. good. Like, I can't, I'm not even going to bring up how they got 3-0'd by Philadelphia during the summer showdown, that they got 3-0'd by San Francisco Shock by, by Paris Eternals. Actually, I think they 3-1 the Paris Eternals. No, Eternals. No, but it's like, okay, you're... You're saying that Houston, at that point, you're saying that Houston Outlaw is bad because they cannot get one map, one map win against a really good team. team Like, there are reasons why San Francisco Shock, Parry's Eternal, and Philadelphia Fusions are where they are as far as the leader boys. They are that strong. They are that consistent. They have the best players, the best stab. It can literally be any combination of those three teams as far as the Know, which ordering you want to go for the top three you know, spot. There's a reason why most power rankings have them that uh, that high. So to say that Houston is bad because they cannot beat or take a map off of, those, you know, off of those three, I think that's a very punitive reason reasoning, especially since in my personal listing, I still have Florida Mayhem up, you know, up there with those three, but as the number four and number five, if i see it and houston beat them out of the knockout r- uh rounds so so yes houston does not look good against the good team and against the best teams in the north american region however one thing i do want to point out is that the 3-0 in the summer in the summer showdown against philadelphia that happened on map four houston got a draw on the two cp net uh, b map that to me is a personal win because that shows major improvements that if Houston just keeps on working and grinding out those king, you know, those kings that they have, they have the potential to match the play style of Philadelphia, San Francisco, and, and Paris Eternals. And you can look at me all you want and think that I'm crazy for believing this, but I do believe this. I've seen the progress. I think is going to work out in their favor. I think this is going to be a three-one in favor of Houston Outlaws because on the flip side, Dallas Fuel. I don't even know what to say about about Dallas Fuel because I can't I can't say that they're going to lose because of how bad they looked against Paris in the Summer Showdown because again, Paris is a really good team. Paris won the Summer Show the Showdown much to everybody's surprise. Surprise. So, to say that, that Dallas is going to lose because they lost to Paris, no, that's not the line of thinking, that's not the line of reasoning that I'm going to go with. The line of reasoning that I'm going to go with for Dallas Fuel is that they, their trend has been looking really downhill, so to speak. They picked up Onigat thinking that that was going to help, but Onigat only played for, like. Two mat no one two matches before the summer showdown and it never got put put in again. There's I think they're still working out things with Onigod and trying to integrate him into the into the team. Which you know it, it's fine. It's what needs to happen. Personally, no personally, I think that they should at least consider running Onigod and Decay even if it's for one map because at this point. You can run either the Genji or the Tracer and an Ash, And I think Onigod has one of the better Ashes of the Tier 2 scene. And likewise has one of the better Ashes of, uh, of Owl, really. Like, you can make the argument for Carpe all you want. But again, good player on a good team. They just picked up Onigod. So, until Dallas works out whatever Kings that they have on the team, I do believe that this is going to be a 3-1 in favor of the Houston Outlaws. I think Outlaws has the momentum. I think Dallas is still trying to figure things out and that's going to be their downfall. But it's still Battle of Texas. It's still going to be a fun match to you know, to watch. Yo, you know, you go ahead and complain when I'm right, you know, right when that actually happens. Up next at 4 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Saturday, July 18th, we have the Hangzhou Spark versus Seoul Dynasty. I think Dylan and I kind of said uh, said this on the dot last week. No, last week when it came to reviewing the power rankings for all of the teams in their respective regions. And when it comes to Seoul Dynasty, I still believe that they can beat anybody that's beneath their their rankings and lose to anybody that's above their rank. The issue with Soul is that they have such a unique playstyle that now now when you look at it and look at what what the hero pools are, they're not going to have at their disposal. Gesture is not going to have the Orisa at his dispo- their disposal. Will that be an incentive for Soul to run dive? Maybe, but again, no, but again, if this is Hangzhou's, if there's any opportunity for Hangzhou to try to show that they're still a top tier you know, team you know, team from season two, it would be the you know, this match. It would be this match to determine that Zhao still has what it takes to be amongst the best players of the you know, of the Asian region. But again, I Seoul is just too too good to just overlook. I don't think Zhao is going to win. I think that the most that they're going to get is one map, so that makes it a 3-1 victory for you know, Seoul Dynasty in this map, in this scenario. I really wish that they proved me wrong here. I want to see Hwang do better than what they've been shown. But moving on, we have Guangzhou Zhao, chart up against London Spitfire. I think this is going to be an easy 3 0 Like, Hwang has shown a lot of improvement over the past couple of months, And that really showed, showed when they beat Shanghai Dragons in the Summer Showdown. The team that everybody thought was going to win the Summer Showdown. And in normal circumstances, everybody would be right and that would have been the case for the Showdown. But there's a reason why it's called the Showdown. Wang Zhao took it to Shanghai and just got the win of them 4-2 in the grand finals not a lot of teams are able to do that so congrats to Guangzhou for doing something like that and showing their their prowess and if that kind of reasoning then that makes me think that Guangzhou is going to 3-0 London London is not where they used to be and I can't I can't even say that it's because of the new roster that they have because all the players on the rosters are good in their own their rights but something is just not clicking with London Like they're not the same team that won the season, no one, the first season of the Overwatch League. They're not. I just don't know what to say about that. No, London, no, really. All I know is that Guangzhou is going to win. No, win this, and yeah, there's really nothing much more to say. Up next, we have Chengdu Hunters versus Seoul, not Seoul versus New York Excelsior, and that's at 8 a.m. on Saturday. And again. I, I can't see Chengdu winning this. They haven't been looking great this season at at all, but I think that this may be the meta where they can show some sort of, li- of life. Right now they've really been struggling against the um, you know, the spam comps, which now they don't have to worry about. They don't. This meta is not going to have a mate to slow down divers. This meta is not going to have to have an ash to. You know, or not Anash and Anna to sleep in the flankers. No, yeah, to sleep the flankers. This meta is not going to have an Arisa with a halt to displace them. This this meta is, I think, is going to be easier for Dive to thrive. But still, no. But still, New York has been consistent despite their struggles against teams like Guangzhou, like Shanghai, like, uh, like, even London. They've struggled against Lo- No, London every now, now and then. And then but I don't see New York losing uh, losing this. And if if Chengdu do run dive, I think they really need to put put in a mango over a Tang. I don't think a Tang has been looking his best. I think Jinmu and Elsa and even Bacon Jack. I think they they've all been looking stellar in their matches. But in this case, it might as well be main tank difference. And New York, yeah, they have yeah they haven't been looking the best but they've been looking more consistent so i'm gonna give the final score here here as a three to zero in favor of new york here so i want Chengdu to do better but they have yet to prove, no, prove to me personally that they can so let's see what happens it is an 8am 8 8 a.m. match so i might be awake since i have to wake up for work that day anyways but up next, we have at three o'clock, Vancouver Titans versus Los Angeles Gladiators. Here is the interesting part because Los Angeles Gladiators. I think a lot of the power rankings were no were expected of them to you know, to win, but they lost three to one against Washington. No, justice. Now, I I personally believe that. Vancouver's placing being the fourth seed in the summer show, showdown. I think that that was a bit of a fluke, no, a fluke there. But at the same time, they didn't look that bad against Paris. Like, yeah, there were you no, know, there were moments where Paris just completely mopped the floor with Vancouver. No, Vancouver. But Vancouver did take a map, and that's got to count for something. So, I think that this is going to go the distance. I think there's going to be a three-two. And I honestly think that it's going to go to Vancouver. Like, the placing from the last tournament I thought was was a fluke. But at the same time, I don't think Vancouver is a bad team. Like I've said before, I think that they know the fundamentals of what they need to do. They just needed to practice. And now that they have the time to practice, I do think that they have what it takes to to get more victories under their belt. So, with that, I believe that it's going to be a 3-2 in favor of Vancouver Titans up against the LA Gladi- no, Gladiators. And it sucks because Gladiators also picked up good, no, good play a good player known as Kefster, who was on the same team as Onigod, the you know, the number one team of the tier two scene. Well we're just gonna have to see what the lineup is. I think this is a matter of lineups with Vancouver. You can kinda guess what the lineup is going is going to be. They really only have two tanks, two you no know, two supports and three DPS. And we know that Shockwave is Kind of a shoe win. He's been having an amazing performance since joining the team. So, uh, so, yeah. I personally believe that this might be either a Shockwave versus uh, Mirror or a Shockwave versus Kepster ma- na- matchup. But, uh, but yeah, LA Gladiators do have a shot at taking the win. But I do think that it's going to edge towards Vancouver for this match. Anyways, now we have the. Up next, we have the Washington Justice up against the Toronto Defiant. These two teams have both made major upsets in the Net in the Summer Showdown, with Washington beating Los Angeles three to one, and Toronto be, uh, beating the other Los Angeles team three to one. three to one. Both of them all. Actually, no, not both. Washington ends up falling to San Francisco Shock, which you know, understandable. But Toronto moves on to the semifinal the finals, beating the Atlanta Reign. When I saw that, I thought that Toronto was sandbagging the the uh, qualifying match matches. Because their performance during the qualifying matches, they just, I wouldn't call them good. I wouldn't call them bad. But at the same time, it's like, what happened? What changed? I do think that with the addition of Spasso now as the assistant co- coach and maybe spacing strategist, um they might have a better shot better shot here so i do think that it's going to be a 3 to 1 in favor of toronto for the toronto v washington matchup that is not to say that washington is a bad is a bad team they have improved a lot since they moved Stitch and Janu into the us so that everybody plays on the same thing net paint but it, it it's one of those what i don't think it, it's it's enough cuz numlock has been doing an amazing job on the main thing, and I don't see a reason for him to be taken out. Yeah, no, I, I really can like maybe put in bees when they're running the dive, but I don't know if dive is going to be the best comp. On the flip side, roar. Nah, I'm gonna give roar a maybe, maybe, but they really don't have much else to go there to go with. So I'm gonna say three-one in favor of Washington. Kind of giving Washington the benefit of doubt because that could easily be a 3-0. But again, we'll see what happens and what the Meta is going to look like. Up next, we have San Francisco Shock 3-0 in Boston Uprising. Moving on. The last matchup of the day. Yeah, I know. I skipped over that that way too quickly because there's really nothing left to say about Boston Uprising against any of their matchups. Like, I have, I have teammates that... Can tell me all they want that Boston is actually a good team, that Punk is an amazing off-tank, that Fusions is an amazing main tank, that Jerry and Color Hex are great DPS play players, that Halo feeds too much, and that Mewmungi is one of the best best support. I have teammates that. Nothing like that. And my only my only response to that is Okay, you can have great players, but not be a great team a team. Yeah, like, the, while the players do determine, uh, determine the prowess of the team, what really showcases that, or what they have to, going for them, is determined in the matches. And right now, Boston can't close matches. They can't. They had their one shot to make it to the summer showdown. A shot that I thought was going to be a victory for them, and they blew it. They blew it. So, so, I do not see Boston Uprising beating San Francisco Shock in any scenario. I'm willing to say that it's going to be a wipe. But moving on, we have LA Valius versus Atlanta Rain. This is going to be a 3-2 match matchup. As far as which team I'm going to give it to, I can't say which. Because I was going off of consistency, and both teams have been playing very uh, consistent uh, consistently just throughout all of their ma- uh, matches. Both of them have have gone through a major upset in the summer show in the showdown. But so, if really the deciding factor here is where it's kind of where they seeded or how they performed in the qualifying matchup, and since Atlanta did get the higher seed, it's going to. Now I'm going to give the uh, Went to Atlanta in a three to two. However, I'm very reluctant on that because of how flimsy my line of reasoning is. Like I know it's not the best reasoning, but it's still a reasoning so in my in my opinion, in my opinion. Because there's there's really nothing that either of these teams have go that going for them. They they have both of these teams have great players in a particular role and kind of struggle in the other two roles. No, two rolls. So as far so final the final count, three two in favor of Atlanta. Moving on at three PM Eastern Daylight time on Sunday, july nineteenth, we have Paris Eternals versus Toronto Defiant. Now, if I remember correctly, this this is gonna be an interesting one because Paris and Toronto never actually met in the summer show, you no know, showdown. However, both of these, te- these teams—actually, no, what am I? No, what am saying? It's going to be a three-one in favor of Paris. Paris. Like the most that Toronto is going to take is one. No, one map. Paris is just too good. Moving on, we have Atlanta Rain versus Florida Mayhem. Atlanta, I think, has been going on a downhill every time these these teams match that match up so i do think that this is going to be a 3-1 florida victory here Nay here and again it's one it's one of those where i do think that the meta and the play actually no scratch scratch that i think that is going to be a, a 3-1 in favor of of atlanta mainly because atlanta i think atlanta has some of the better divy heroes than than Florida like BQB is great for distance and Yaki is amazing at the flanks but Atlanta Atlanta has uh, Atlanta has Edison they have Erster they have they ba- they have baby bay on the DPS line up and all of them can really run circles around and not anyone when it comes to flanking DPS so I'm going to give this a 3 to 1 in favor of Atlanta and lastly we have boss getting If I say the end of if I ever bring a boss, expect me to say that it's going to be a zero to three. loss for the no, for the,